1: Whoop their
2: Have you got ramo yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, two scrimmages in the book's time, off day time. Not not really an off day. I'm convinced off days aren't a thing time, but uh, but taking a break time. Still a lot of work to be done time. Season's almost here time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Dropping this early on a Monday morning, so I hope it's a great Monday morning for you, unless, of course, it's Monday Afternoon, Monday, evening, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it actually is you're listening to this, I hope that day is going well for you. I hope everything in your life, I hope your dreams are coming true, whatever day it happens to be. Coming to you live here from Fort Rucker Studio, let's go uh, across town to the home daycare center of Ryan Callahan, go to the uh, also the undisclosed location of uh, the one and the only Patrick Brown. fellas, I got to ask you, how are we doing?
1: doing great we get a we get a sort of a day off like you said and, and and yet it's not really a day off
2: yeah it's not i'm gonna gonna be got some stuff to do at the farm uh, to help dad of course it's a this is a, a you know an sec football podcast sec basketball podcast so you're, i'm just gonna go help dad on the farm that's just kind of like it's right on brand it's right on the nose isn't it yeah it some, is. of us, and,
3: some of us are gonna work for the website that employs us so
2: well, I'm not going to go out there and work like a 12-hour day. I'm just going to go out there, and i got to got to go help them with some stuff. There's a couple of things that needs to be done. Uh, cattle I've, and things do not take care of themselves.
1: I think pics or GTFO, we need a live thread with pictures of you on the farm, or we don't believe it. Dude, nobody wants to see that.
2: No, I, sounds, I, like, sounds, sounds
3: like we need to have a farm Twitter space is what we need to have.
2: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bring back – have like a Farmville. We'll do that. Yeah, that will be great.
1: I I very much want to see this, actually, just for the record.
2: There you go. Then then maybe at some point we will do that. On this episode, however, we will primarily be talking Tennessee football. The Vols have now gone through two, uh, not one, but two major scrimmages in quick succession here in preseason camp. And as we've said many times before... A lot of times you don't really have a third major scrimmage. We'll see how Tennessee sort of organizes things here the final couple of weeks of camp. But but regardless, it, it is a, a big, big, big moment. There's watershed moments, right? There's the first day out there. Uh, there's the first day in shells, the first day in pads, and then the first scrimmage and the second scrimmage. There, there's a few like watershed sort of big major moments in preseason camp. And Tennessee has now gotten through two of those scrimmages and we talked to Josh Heupel Tennessee's second year head coach right after uh, he got off the field there for the second scrimmage of course it was closed uh, to reporters so we have to go based off what we hear hear from people both sort of on the record and in the background a little bit Uh, but in terms of what we hear publicly uh, Josh Heipel's just kind of a positive vibes only guy I don't think he's ever come out of his scrimmage and said man that sucked Um, but he seemed to be pretty pleased with what he saw from Sunday from both sides of the ball
3: Yeah, it's like we talked about with the first scrimmage, Wes. You want to have some back and forth. You want to see some give and take because uh, as a coach, if your offense is just going up and down the field, then, okay, wow, you got a lot of concerns defensively. But if your offense is going three three and out every time and your defense is getting sacks, turnovers, making plays on the football, then uh, your offense looks bad. So um, you want to have a good competitive scrimmage where you have some encouraging, positive things to take out of it. And then you also want to have a bunch of things that you can go back and uh, over the next four-day block, as, as Hypo kept referencing, kept saying that phrase because that's sort of the, the last phase of camp here. But um, things you can go back and correct and in a Tennessee's case. Um, you know, I, I think I think the rules say you only get two more scrimmage. You only get two scrimmages now. I could be wrong on that. But uh, I believe the NCA when they limited some the amount of contact, now they'll, they'll, they'll do 11-on-11 11 11 a yeah, lot during practices. I say, yeah, every day. But in terms of going to the – to the, to kneeling and putting the football down and scrimmaging and doing some, you know, red zone, short yard stuff, stuff like that. This is their last scrimmage. And it's a time when, um, you know, coming out of the scrimmage, this is when coaches are going to start to narrow down. Okay. Here, here's sort of how the depth chart's shaking out. Who's the next guy up here and here and and all that. And they've sort of learned who they can trust. And so, um, yeah, this, this was a big, big checkpoint of camp I think they've got a week left sort of of camp and then I think they'll get into um, an extended game week and then they'll get into actual game week um, over the next uh, however many days there are before the opener but um, I think the I think the extended game week might be a little bit more about Pitt than the next then the next game week after that will be more about Ball State but
1: we'll see how that goes yeah, and Patrick, I think I think your point is right about the uh, scrimmages. I think you were allowed two full contact scrimmages. I don't know if they technically legislate the third one as as having to be considered a scrimmage, but that's why I think you see that third one being called, you know, the Beanie Bowl or whatever by the, one of the former staffs and kicking scrimmage by Philip former staff years ago, things like that because it's not allowed to be full contact. So yeah, I think I think they are done with that as far as full contact full scrimmages go, and uh, and that's that makes this, this past week uh, ha- having, you know, that was an important one, but still more work to be done. I You know, I think they feel pretty good about where they are uh, for the most part across the board. I think in some cases, maybe they feel a little better than others, of course, on defense. I think some of the the progress, you know, and we'll, and we'll talk more of the specifics here as we go on, but I, you know, I think some of the progress that we've seen at some position groups is legitimate. I think in some others like cornerback and left tackle. It feels more like a wait and see thing. So, you know, you're you're naturally going to have some ebbs and flows throughout camp, and not everything's perfect. Certainly, two weeks in, but I do think they've at least made some some genuine progress. And now it's a matter of getting some guys back on the field and and fully acclimated, and trying to get back closer to full strength after having uh, at least two or three noteworthy guys out here uh, for at least part of the. Uh, the first two weeks of
0: camp.
2: Yeah, because when when you talk to to coaches, head coaches about this, and it, it's always been a question that's fascinated me because I think it's a really basic one, but it's it can be a really difficult question to answer. What is a good scrimmage for for a head? football coach you you know because if you're an offensive coordinator i can tell you exactly what a good scrimmage looks like if you're a defensive coordinator i can tell you exactly what they're they're going to want to see from a good scrimmage right i mean offense wants points lots of them first downs execution the defense wants turnovers forced they want to be in the backfield they want to be making stuff happen they want to get stops uh, and special teams, obviously, you, you want to make all your kicks and all those things. So I, I know individually what it what it looks like from, from different position groups. But as a head coach, like, what is a good scrimmage for you? And, and the best answer uh, the, or most consistent answer that I've ever gotten is sort of head coaches saying, well, it's hard to explain, but you just kind of know it when you see it. Um, you just see guys playing at a high level, both sides making plays. It just seems to me like it's it's difficult because if you're going to be happy with your defense on a play, well, you might not be happy with your offense. I just don't know how many plays there are where you're like, man, that was just really good football from both sides. It's just kind of for me. It's always been sort of hard to gauge that. Am I, am I crazy?
3: <laughs> yeah, you are because we're obviously not talking. I thought Ryan was taking this one. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Like like I said, I'm sorry. My 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 kid is crying. I have a monitor next to with the computer here, so I'm a little I'm a little distracted, but. Um, this is, this is live. This is live recording.
2: I thought you were only focusing on work for the website, Pat. What happened to that? No, that's
3: on Monday. This is, this is Sunday night during the podcast. No, you you want, first of all, the main thing you want in these is no injuries. Tennessee's got some guys that are dealing with some stuff. I know some people have kind of put some, you know, put their doom and gloom hat on and always expect the worst when it comes to Tennessee sports. But it doesn't sound like any of these guys that have missed practice time are going to be out for a, a lengthy period of time. Um, and, and they're hoping to get some of these guys back this week. So we'll see on Tuesday when we get back to practice who's doing what. But um, you don't want any injuries, and it sounds like Tennessee's okay on that front, unlike some other teams looking at Texas, who apparently had some pretty bad injuries at their first scrimmage yes. this weekend. Yes. Um, but you, like, I, like I said earlier, you want some of that back and forth. You don't want one side to be dominant because then you're you're really sweating. You want to feel good about that side that's dominating, but you, if that's the case, you, you these coaches are sort of wired to worry about um, what's going wrong? Maybe more than what what's going right. So, I mean, if you go out there and your 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 defense is just you know your offense is going up and down the field, you're you're terrified of your defense in, in that situation. And if you go out there and your defense is locking the offense up, the offense can't move the ball at all. Then you're you're feeling um, like you you might be in trouble there. So you want to have some back and forth. You want to have some good competitiveness. Um, you, you want to see even some of your twos and threes have good moments because those are the guys you're trying to develop. Those are the guys that you're trying to um, depend on maybe for depth. And obviously tennis just talked a lot about, particularly on defense, playing more guys. Uh, the more guys, quote-unquote, are, are probably running with some of those those twos and uh, in some cases maybe some threes, some guys maybe work their way up through the course of the season. But that's what you want to see, I, I think, if you're a coach, is, is you want to see a, a good competitive scrimmage where – uh, one side's making plays, maybe to start off, and the other side comes back, and uh, things like that. So I, I think that's what, that's what I would want to see if I was a coach during these scrimmages because because you're playing yourself. If, if one side's dominating, then you're you're going to be worrying
1: about the other side that just got dominated. Yeah, I, I think I've thought about this before because I'm like, what would I mean? If 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 the offense dominates, you feel bad about the defense. If the defense dominates, you feel bad about the offense. Like, what would a coach ideally like? What's the perfect scrimmage? The closest thing I could come up with is. Maybe one where you see everyone mostly executing their jobs, but only your studs, your absolute best players are actually standing out and making dominant plays. And otherwise, you know even when a guy gets beat for a sack, it's not because of a bus, it's because of a good scheme or just a really good rep or whatever. Um, you don't want to see anything that just makes you think, Oh God, we're just not very talented at this spot. And not or, a lot, not
2: a lot of penalties and stuff like
1: that. Yes. Not a lot of penalties for sure. Not a lot of turnovers. Um, but at the same time, not zero turnovers cause you want to feel yeah. like you can force some, you know, you want a little bit of everything probably is the good way to put it, but not a whole lot of anything that makes you think you're not going to be good or that you don't know what you're doing in a particular spot. So I think that, that would be my guess as to what maybe kind of a perfect scrimmage would be. Um, but yeah, that's. And I don't think this was that for Tennessee. Um, it, it sounds like the pendulum swung back toward the defense, you know, after the the offense kind of controlled the first scrimmage, and that's you know to be expected, maybe. Uh, as Patrick said, you always see kind of some give and take on, on an ideally, you know, mostly balanced team. Um, I, at the same time, you know, some people might say, hey, with everything this offense has coming back, should the defense have won either of these scrimmages? Uh, you know, just with what that's with what this team good has on question.
2: paper,
1: I think it's at least a fair question to ask not to say that anyone should be sounding the alarm about this but i don't think this defense is going to be a world beater this year or is that likely to so um do we read anything into the fact that the defense was able to do some things now with that being said i have heard that tennessee did throw at least a good number of blitzes in there uh in the early part of the scrimmage we heard josh heupel talk about um a few sacks that were given up early on uh and wanted to make sure that you know communication and things like that was not an issue with those and it was more just about uh you know guys getting beat which is going to happen I think maybe one of the reasons he wasn't too worried about that is Tennessee, from what I heard, may have schemed up some blitzes and things like that that led to some of those sacks, at least some, not all of them maybe, but some of them. So things like that, you know, you can excuse giving up some plays like that. So maybe that's one of the reasons the defense had some better fortune in this scrimmage. And it wasn't just a, you know, bland X's and O's days where you let, or X's and O's day where you let the guys go. And, and just make make plays without uh, doing doing anything too complex. So I think they tried to challenge Tennessee's offensive line, maybe maybe installed some things on defense they wanted to try out, and that, that presented some problems for the offense. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's any reason to sound the alarm, but it's at least maybe worth throwing out there that, hey, should this offense be struggling at all with this defense? Or, or maybe struggling is not the right word, but should they have a day where the defense wins against this defense? It's at least a, a fair question maybe. Well, that that's sort of the –
3: the ups and downs of training camp though, right? I mean, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days as a player, as a unit, as a position group. That's just sort of the, the nature of it. There's going to be ups and downs someday. Some days the offense is going to be locked in and they're going to tear it up. Some days the defense is going to, you know, they're going to come back. They're going to be pissed off about it and, and they're going to be out to uh, maybe sort of get some revenge the next day. That That's maybe what happened in this scrimmage. You know, the offense, I think got the, uh, from what we, from what we heard, the offense had the the advantage in the first scrimmage, but the defense I think was the, uh, had the edge in the second scrimmage and, and they're supposed to be give and take like that throughout camp. And there's guys that fluctuate. Some guys start off well, and have a good stretch and then they maybe for whatever reason don't, I mean, look at Deshaun Rucker. I know Wes is going to be really excited, but Heupel talking about him, he, oh he's not been a factor oh boy. at all. You know? Oh boy. I mean, I'm not sure how much of a factor he had been before, you know, the, the first week and a half of camp. And now Heupel's mentioned him as a guy who's playing his best football. So, that's sort of the, just the nature of camp. You have guys that kind of pop up for a little bit, have a good stretch, you know, things like that guys that maybe disappear. You don't hear much about, you know, beyond the, the start. I mean, you you know, we don't talking a lot about the quarterbacks right now because that situation is so settled in Tennessee, but um, that's just sort of the nature of preseason camp is there's kind of ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And some days, you know, the defense is going to look really good. And some days the offense is going to look like, you know, we saw it on Saturdays a lot last season. So, uh, every dog has his day, right? I mean, that's sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have a good day, and, and maybe that was, you know, maybe this was a good day for the defense. And um, but it, as much as people want to put into these scrimmages, and they are important evaluation tools for the coaches because it's the most game-like sinu- simulation you get. It's still just one day out of two plus three weeks, you know, almost three weeks of, of practice that they're evaluating. So uh, it's important, but it's not. It's part of a bigger picture that 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 is sort of shaping this team as they get close to the opener.
1: And as I spoke with someone uh, on Sunday about the scrimmage, the first words out of their mouths was uh, where nobody got hurt. And that's really all that matters. And, and essentially that's, that's what most fans should take away from this is that no serious injuries came out of it. And like you said, that could be a lot worse. Other schools have not been so lucky.
2: Yep. That's, that's probably a really good way to put that. Now the quote from Heupel uh, just to get it out there is I uh, said, thought this is a quote, thought there were a bunch of positives today in the scrimmage. Thought we played cleaner, both sides of the football executed. Uh, thought just alignment, assignment, eyes on keys, being lined up, ready to go on the defensive side of the football, tackling in space. Thought we did a much better job in those areas than we did in the first scrimmage. Offensively at times, we're efficient and played with great pace and handled the communication side of it at a really high level too. Bunch of positives. I know there will be a bunch of things that we need to clean up too as we go back and watch the tape. So that's pretty standard boilerplate post-scrimmage. Uh, post, post scrimmage, uh, Quote for from a coach, especially one like Heupel, who doesn't like to kind of get crazy when he's talking. This is not a, a Derek Dooley out there on the mic, right? He's not going to go up there and, and and just wildly entertain everyone. Um, but it sounded like they got what they wanted out of it, and there were a few players um, that that were doing some things that were good things. Bruce McCoy was one of the first ones um, that that Heupel talked about. He said he thought he had a really good day. Um, you know, the Deshaun Rocker was another who had a really good day. So some names that. Um, maybe you would expect to start to be playing better football right now, getting their names out there, and also a few surprises too, right? So kind of standard there.
3: Yeah, I think a couple of guys that, that kind of piggybacking off that, West that, that he mentioned from, and uh, adding to what, I, what I've heard and, and maybe what Ryan has heard as well and, and all of us have heard, but uh, Walker Merrill is a guy that seems to be having a good camp. Mm-hmm. I think he's, uh, with the uncertainty about Brew's eligibility situation, I mean, if, you know, Walker Marrow might be the starter, if Brew is not eligible or not cleared in time for the opener. And even if he's not starting, he I think he's put himself in position to play a lot, um, which is not something that I really thought going into the camp, but it was interesting that will sort of compared him to Jalen Hyatt. We've heard a lot about how Hyatt's rededicated himself, really changed his approach. It sounds like Walker's been kind of doing the same thing. You know, we talked, we talked to Walker last week and he said, I was tired of not playing. So I decided I would do what I needed to do to change that. And, uh, so far, it's paying off. Of him. It sounds like he is uh, maybe ahead of of Ramel Keaton at that spot right now. Um, and, and you know, Jimmy Holiday was a guy that, uh, again, you talk about guys that are kind of come and go. I think Holiday is a guy we heard a little bit about early on. Maybe the first week didn't hear as much about him uh, over the past week or so. But then, um, you know, he sounds like he had some really nice catches in the, in the scrimmage on Sunday, and um, that that's something that I think they have to figure out. At receivers. They've got a bunch of guys that haven't proven anything. Really, and they got to figure out who they can trust, and then they have to see if those guys can go play on, on Saturdays. Because um, there's going to be some feeling out there. I think at receiver in terms of who they trust beyond Tillman uh, and maybe Hyatt too. But uh, and the and the third guy that I think i will mention was Juwan Mitchell. It sounds like he's made 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 made, a move at line, made made a move easy for me to say at linebacker, and I know there's been a lot of attention on him, and I know we've maybe sort of tempered some of those things given his track record in the past, but it sounds like, again, everything's been uh, going on a good path there for him. And, and, and we'll see where that ends up with him, you know, potentially being a starter if he gets there or if he's just uh, maybe the third guy, but we'll see. But he's, those are maybe the three names that that stood out to me that the hype will mention.
1: Yeah. Just to add to the, to the point about Walker Merrill, I I try not to, uh, not to generalize or stereotype too much uh, on this because I think it happens throughout our business. Careful. Oh boy, here we go. But as I say, I he's got a little bit of Josh Smith in him oh to me. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead and throw the, Zach Rogers in there, too. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I know. Just a, he's a regular old
2: Steve Largent out there. I see some yeah. Connor Cup. You know, there's a lot of a lot, yeah. lot of guys I could think Do, of. You call,
3: did you call him Connor Cup? Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get no, the no. Super Bowl no. MVP's name right, Wes. Come on, man.
2: It, it's it's his, but, it's his brother who's going to be even better, and, and y'all don't even know who he is yet. <laughs> I, I, get, I, get, I, get get on my level.
1: I, I say that, though, because I, th- I feel like Josh Smith and some of that was early in his career because he got a reputation for some, you know, some unti- uh, untimely drops. Um, although I guess there's never a timely drop, but had some bad drops just early in his career and that fans kind of never forgot some of that. But he just kept staying toward the top of Tennessee's depth chart. I think Walker Merrill has a little bit of that in him in the sense that I think he's going to he's he's one that we went into camp not even talking about. But he's a he's a hard worker. He's a good athlete, a better athlete than I think people realize, and, and I'm not I'm not going to be surprised, really, if he ends up playing. Now, that's not what I projected going into camp, but if you had told me uh, at the start of camp that, that hey, Walker Merrill's going to play his way into a, a decent role, I, I I wouldn't have been completely shocked by that, just knowing the type of player and the type of worker he is. So it makes sense to me that in year two, it's starting to maybe click for him and that he's had a good camp. He's a tough um, kid. I think
3: he plays really hard, and I, I don't know if it was one of you guys. Or somebody a, a, a real co-
1: real was,
2: coach on the field.
3: No, I'm stopping there. I, I think it was one of the first days, <laughs> of, first days of camp. It was maybe one of you guys or maybe somebody else I was talking to. I was like, he looks he looks a lot better. Like, he just looks healthier. Uh, I know he had a knee situation that maybe he was coming off yeah. of last spring that sort of fell over in the season. I think he was wearing a knee brace at one point. Um, and then, you know, you know, once Phelous Jones took over in the slot, none of those slot guys are really their 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 opportunities are going to be capped. So, um, yeah, he's a guy that even early on in 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 camp, you're you're watching him around and you're saying, "He looks he looks a lot more athletic than I remember it being." It's because he's healthy. It's because he's putting a lot of work, as he said, in in the weight room, and it's paid off. Go ahead,
1: Ryan. Uh, I was going to say, a couple of things that just are, were noteworthy to me coming coming out of the scrimmage, I, I think obviously still no Kamal Haddon, but it does sound like he will be back soon. Uh, Josh Heupel mentioned that he will be uh, expected to be out there in that next four-day block, which we heard more Sunday, I think, than we've heard at any point, But um, <laughs> with, uh, with references both to the previous four-day block and the one coming up. Uh, and then also that Elijah Simmons, uh, who's been banged up lately, despite that punt that he fielded, uh, this week that was uh, that was tweeted uh, a video of that was tweeted by Tennessee's official account he can do everything um,
3: he
2: can do everything
1: yeah but he catching punts pon- been... isn't that hard <laughs> Hey, um. <laughs> that's right we've got an expert in the field uh on, on that topic but uh but yeah no uh hearing that he's going to be back within the next few days and and that uh that obviously Kamal Haddon will be back out there in the next few days that's that's very good news for Tennessee because I think they they frankly need both of those guys I think I think you saw that uh, the defensive tackle rotation was a little bit thinner or has been a little bit thinner without Simmons. I think I think they still, even though he's maybe not uh gotten as generated as much buzz, I guess, this preseason, I think he's still a guy Tennessee needs in, in some form or fashion in that rotation. And you're gonna need him certainly in short yardage situations to be that guy that can that can that can plug a gap and, and, and keep someone from pushing the line. And then also, uh, yeah, you know, just getting Haddon in there because frankly, I think he's more and more a guy that Tennessee views as a as a likely starter and really wants to get back out there. And the corner situation has already been kind of a fluid competition, but it really can't solidify, I don't think, until you get Kamal Haddon back out there to see how things kind of settle in with him uh, being back at full speed. So that those were those were big notes to me. And uh and yeah, Brew McCoy, it's it's noteworthy anytime you hear anything positive about him. But if if that's genuine progress, and you know I I didn't see it obviously, but it sounds like he at least got involved in the offense more he's obviously been a little bit banged up missed some time if he's making progress on the right track i think that's a big deal because they clearly i think want him to play a significant role on this team if he can show he's capable of playing that
2: we got a lot more to discuss uh, about the the scrimmage about this camp about this football team uh, about life in general uh, you know just all sorts of fun things to discuss, um, but before we do that, we are slightly overdue for a break, so we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to uh, some products, services, in house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here for much, much more here on the Go Balls Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Hashtag Ad Money.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
2: Welcome back to the Go Balls 24 7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in house ads you just heard from a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, Ryan Callahan uh, coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center, Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location, also full of crying children. We got lots and lots of stuff to discuss on this podcast. We've already discussed plenty, and we will discuss more. Uh, But before we do that, just a a quick quick, uh, request from this end, if you don't mind. If you could take about 60 seconds out of your day, maybe 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds, somewhere in that time frame, maybe even quicker if you're super, super fast and super gritty like Walker Merrill is. Maybe you can go there and do it quicker than that. Uh, go in there and please, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, if you're just listening on the website, we love you. The, there's nothing wrong with that. There, there's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there on, on you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Govos 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. I'm not going to say none, but very few complaints from our end uh, but all we ask for is please tell some friends good old-fashioned stuff that still works also go rate review and subscribe that helps us add more wolves to this wolf pack and uh as keeps us growing this thing as we've done since we started it uh years and years ago because we're all getting old now if you're already doing that thank you we love you if not uh go for yourself that's the uh That's the motto. Also, quickly, uh, a quick um, get well soon to uh, Drew Gilbert, uh, former uh, Tennessee baseball uh, All-America center fielder slash world-class heel slash first-round draft pick of the Houston Astros. Uh, He did what Drew Gilbert often does, which is crash into the wall at a high rate of speed over the weekend. Uh, It looked pretty scary. He got carted off the field, uh, but found out uh, Sunday it's just a forearm contusion. So uh, good news there, and, you know, Drew Gilbert, man, don't change. It's really fun to watch you play the game. Um, but maybe slightly alter one thing, maybe stop running into the wall at 100 miles an hour. Uh, you know, we only got one life of these. So uh, be be careful, young man. Uh, go forth and prosper. Guys, what have we learned about this Tennessee football team in camp? What have we learned so far that's important? Uh, what have we learned that we think is important? And, and what do we e- either not know at all, or, or don't know as much as we need to know yet? Well, There's all sorts of levels in there to discuss, but essentially at the end of the day, of the things that we need to know, what do we know and what do we not know?
1: Uh, I'll start with some of the basics, I guess, because I think we tend to focus more on the minutia, uh, yeah. the things that we, take for, or that we don't uh, already know or the things that we may take for granted. We, we leave those out. So uh, the, uh, I think the basics that are important I think we know Hendon Hooker is is having a good camp and has taken some some noteworthy steps uh, since last year. I think that's you know probably the most important storyline that we might skip over in some cases. And, and I think we know that Tennessee has. Uh, I'll put this in the in the we know category, even though it might still be a question mark to a degree. I think we know Tennessee has a couple of receivers it can rely on in Cedric Tillman, who I've uh it's it's at least worth noting is uh, i've heard some very good things about so far during camp and yep. that's not surprising looks, for a guy that had look, the season he had last year looks good out there but but yeah just i think that, uh, again an off season of growth from guys like like kendon hooker and cedric tillman i think they look even better uh than they did last season we'll, we'll see what that adds up to on the field but i think they look good uh, and then i think I, i'm ready to include Jalen hyatt in, in the category of mm. somewhat known commodities on this team i think i think if you're going to feel good about Tennessee's offense, I think it needs to include a very good Jalen Hyatt because I think Tennessee otherwise, and this is maybe what I would put in the category of things we don't know yet, uh, I, I think we we know that Hyatt is a guy that uh, at least has the talent, has the ability, and has flashed as one of this team's best playmakers when he is on, and this offense needs him to be good because I think other other guys, Brew McCoy included, are still question marks until further notice, and we don't know exactly what Tennessee has at wide receiver, uh, beyond those two. And, and one on defense is to balance things out too. I think we know, uh, that, that Tennessee has a, at least a little bit better defensive line situation maybe than I thought. Um, we, we probably would have said going into camp. I think they at least have, have plenty of bodies there. I should say plenty of depth, um, a, a pretty healthy rotation and at least a good number of options, especially when you include the freshman edge rushers, Joshua Joseph and, and James Pierce. You know, a lot of people have been eager to find out kind of which of those guys is, is ahead? And it sounds to me like Joshua Josephs is the one who who maybe has the best shot at contributing early. But you know, it's not a given that they're they're going to get a lot out of those guys because they have so many others who need to play and have proven they're capable of playing on this team. You know, when you've got a guy like Latrell Bumpus not being a a starter or certainly not a locked in starter on this team, I think you've get, you at least got a pretty good number of options. So while it remains to be seen how good that that defensive line is going to be. I think this camp is kind of solidified, especially with the emergence of some guys like Dominic Bailey, that they have a a pretty good situation depth-wise, and it's just a matter of seeing how good they're going to be across the board. Yeah, in terms of the things that we've learned, some of it for me
3: is stuff that we kind of already already knew. I'll I'll touch on three things, and I want to touch on something that Heupel said on Sunday uh, when he was asked about how he kind of approaches scrimmages now compared to a year ago, and something he said was, Uh, And I'm paraphrasing here that the perceptions outside of the building have changed, but inside it's the same expectations. They think we can, you know, we know what we can do what we're capable of. Um, And and that to me sounded like a very confident statement. Maybe I should read the quote. Um, Just sort of like, you know, the way they're going to play, you know, the identity has been sort of set for for the way they're going to play, how they're going to work. The culture, I think, is in a good spot. Um, and, and we've seen that, I think, continue over the course of the offseason into camp, too. I think there's good leadership on this team now. You know, we got to see what happens the first time they get hit in the mouth and deal with some adversity, um, and whether that's some guys hitting the wall this week, some guys getting frustrated by hitting each, you know, having to hit each other for three weeks on. Um, now we'll see, but uh, I, I think that's something that you always want to see develop over the course of an offseason. We've heard good things about it. Of course, you always hear good things about it, right? Um, but I think it's it's pretty genuine in some of the leadership they have on, on this football team. Second thing is you know it, it's going to be the same thing every year with with the staff. They're going to be going on offense. They're always going to have good quarterback play. They're always going to put up points, and it's sort of add to what Ryan said about some of the receivers. I think this team has a pretty good has a chance to be a pretty good running team. Which uh, I know there, there were some concerns about the you know the backfield going into uh, into cam, especially with Lanith Whitehead going down. You know that's a hit on the depth there. Um, But it sounds like, you know, the freshmen, the two backs there have uh, made some decent progress there with Dylan Sampson and Justin Williams-Thomas. Those guys are going to be counted on to play. You know, Jalen Wright, just looking at him, looks like he's had a great offseason. I know they're trying to get him um, back into, um, you know, maybe in a little bit more practice. I don't don't think he would have been involved in the scrimmage on Sunday as they try to get his quad, right? I I think you need him more September 1st than you needed him on Sunday. So they're going to – I think they're going to continue to – be pretty cautious with him and uh, and make sure he gets right. But he's he's a guy that looks really kind of yoked up. And I know Bruce Feldman of The Athletic put out his freaks list. And I think Wright was a guy that hit 23 miles an hour. I think he uh, – I don't – I think he like like vertical jumped like over 40 inches or something like that and broad jumped almost 11 feet, which is some pretty crazy testing numbers and if you want to compare to what some of the guys at the NFL Combine can do. But, but four starters back on the offensive line, we'll see the left tackle situation. I think that's – Probably the biggest concern it may, might be the only concern on the offense because again um they're 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 gonna put up points on all those things but i think this team has a chance to not only have some guys develop a wide receiver but i think they could run the ball pretty well especially if they're able to stay healthy heard a lot of good things about jabari small as well so uh and the third thing is what was the third thing i, I think it's it's just defensively uh i think we know their depth is better right um and and, and we're we're going to see how much better it is. But um, yeah, I, I think we know their numbers are better and they're, they're going to want to play more guys. But uh, it sounds like they've continued to develop more guys. You hear guys like Tamari McDonald coming on. Um, you hear some guys like Dominic Bailey, Bryson Easton coming on. Those are guys were maybe question marks going into camp um, that have done some good things and have shown that maybe they can help Tennessee. And um, I, you know, will that lead to more wins? We'll have to wait and see. I still think they need more more dudes, more difference makers on defense than they have. And, um, But the, the questions for me are more on the defensive side of the ball. But I do think that, that they've established you know, and we've seen it develop over the last couple of weeks that, that they're going to have better depth on that side.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I guess the, the shortest way I can put it is that I, I think we, we still know uh, that this is going to be a very good Tennessee offense. I think what we don't know is this going to be an absolutely great Tennessee offense. I, I think it, it makes sense when you look at some of the guys who have returned and, and maybe being a little bit better at running back, and certainly having you know Hooker and Tillman, uh, two senior tight ends, which is you know maybe the most under under-discussed position on this team is is those two vets at tight end and all the reps that they have in, in their career and how important they are to the offense in so many ways. Um, but I, I don't think – you see a lot of people saying this is, you know, one of the five best offenses or one of the ten best offenses in college football. And it might be. Uh, I'm just not sure that we know that yet because I think there is concern uh, until proven otherwise about left tackle. I mean, that's the blindside protector of your quarterback – and still, no matter which way you slice it, moving Darnell right from left tackle to right tackle was a risk. Now you can always move him back, but but that was certainly a risk because you're talking about all all your quarterbacks on your roster are right-handed, so that's a big deal there. And and you'd like to, you know, maybe. With all those options you have at receiver, you'd like to see some of those guys really step forward and, and have some identified roles, and, and then you can start to really get in a rhythm as an offense because it's tough to find that that right number for the rotation. You'd like it to be a little bit bigger than it was last year at wideout, but if it's too big, then nobody ever really gets in rhythm. So that, that, to me, is the big question offensively. I know that they're good, uh, and I, I think we can guess that they're going to be really good, and that's a pretty safe guess. But will they be truly great offensively? I, I don't know if we know that yet because there's still some really, really good talented defenses on this schedule that they're going to have to face. I think they will
3: be. I'll I'll go on that
1: one.
2: No, I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, that, that if, <laughs> if, if that's – it's not the wildest, you know, guess in the world, obviously. I just – I don't know if it's just years of covering Tennessee's mediocrity and dis- dis- disappointment that plants that seed in my mind. But I just – you know, just, yeah. I'm just not sure. I mean, this, this
3: guy's averaged, what, over 40 points the last five years? They put it in the media guide. i got to find the graphic. Ryan, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just <laughs> going to say uh, not to disagree at all, because I do think Tennessee is going to put up a ton of points this year, no doubt. But the biggest question I have about this offense – well, I, I, two questions uh, I, I would say, that things we don't know yet uh, about this offense. One, whoever the left tackle is, and it sounds like at least to start the season it will be some combination – of, of Gerald Mincy and Jeremiah Crawford. That was maybe the most interesting thing Josh Heupel just came right out and said on, on Sunday that I maybe didn't expect to be admitted that quickly. You know, Things that we had heard behind the scenes hinted at that, but I didn't know that they were going to come right out more than two weeks before the opener and say, yeah, these, bo- these guys are both going to play in the season opener and, and maybe beyond that. I mean, he pretty much opened the door for that to be yeah, like a complete timeshare.
2: If you have two quarterbacks, you, you may not have a quarterback. What about if you have two left tackles? Is it the same thing?
1: Yeah. That's that doesn't seem I don't know, that that doesn't give me a ton of confidence uh, in that situation to hear that. So I, I I think that's still a very big question. Is does this team have a left tackle um, and are they going to be any good there? Um, it's at least a concern uh, that I would have going into this season. It's a game it's it's something I think they'll be able to survive probably week to week and and not have that just blow up their game plan. But it is the kind of thing that against really good opponents could be. Something they have to sort of scheme around a little bit. Are you going to have to leave backs in the backfield more often to, to chip and, and help out on that left side? If you're, especially if you're worried about an elite pass rusher, you know it's something they may have to worry about a little bit more uh, than they did last year. Obviously, when they had Cade Mays, even though he wasn't always out there, uh, that's the good news is they got they kind of got used to being without him at times last year because he did miss some time. Uh, but still, it's something you may have to to worry about this year if they don't have someone that can just eventually take that job and run with it. Uh, which it seems like has not happened so far, and then I actually have a little bit more concern about the wide receiver situation than other people might. Um, I know Tennessee has some talent there; they have some potential, um, but there have been a couple different concerns there. There were some drops in the first scrimmage, and and I, I don't know. To me, it's a little concerning that you know you're still having to push Jimmy Callaway. You know, we heard Josh Heupel kind of challenge him a little bit. I thought with with some of his he comments, he is
2: so damn talented. Uh,
1: well, call- Callaway was banged up. He didn't. We didn't see him practice on Saturday.
3: So he, he mentioned yeah. he mentioned him and, and Squirrel White too. I think Squirrel after the first scrimmage was in what Jeremy Pruitt would call he got his bell wrong protocol. He got
2: his bell. Yeah. He got his bell wrong. Uh,
3: but yeah, going back to this offense, I looked up the numbers. They've, the High Bulls teams have averaged at least thirty seven and a half points since the last five the past five seasons. Uh, and the year before that, it was thirty one, and they averaged five hundred yards a game. So. Again, don't worry about the offense. I know, it Ryan's right. There has been some inconsistency um, at wide receiver, and there's been some, you know, the running back situation. You're 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 going to be playing two freshmen potentially a lot. So especially if uh, if either small gets hurt or right can't get that quad completely right. Sorry um, to make that pun, but. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're going to put up points. Are are they going to be able to put up, you know, 50 points on everybody? No, but uh, against the bad to average defenses that they're going to face, they're going to be able to pretty much do what they want, uh, I think. And and for me, it goes back to who's a quarterback, and when all else fails, just throw it up to number four. So, I mean, that's a pretty good starting point for me.
1: And one of the big things I think we've learned during camp, and I think this is actually huge, even though he's a guy that you'd probably put third on the depth chart right now, is that Dylan Sampson can help this team. And yeah, and he, I think he's he got looks, a chance to he be looks, you know, he maybe looks
2: a, good. He looks good.
1: I mean, just the way the way his you know the teammates and other people in the program talk about him, I think they view him as a potential spark plug you know, if, if needed for this team that that maybe can come on a little bit more as the season goes along. And and again, even if you're only getting him five or six touches a game, I think he's someone that can that can give this this team a little bit different dimension maybe, uh, some versatility, catching the ball out of the backfield, things like that, uh, and just some speed, pure speed that this team could certainly use. Squirrel White could do that also, but I think there are some concerns about his size and how that's going to translate, especially against the big, strong SEC teams. You know, The teams like Alabama I think are going to cause some real matchup problems for Squirrel White, um, but I think against, against a lot of teams on Tennessee's schedule, you, you could find a spot. Uh, to to get him a play or two and try to get the ball in his hands and see if he can make something happen. So you've got some speed on this team. But to me, Dylan Sampson, maybe the most exciting possibility that has emerged. I think he's been a little bit better than I thought he would be, you know, maybe when he arrived on campus in in late May or early June.
2: Yeah, it's got to be a little bit concerning with with White that, you know, like it wasn't long after – full pads came on that that, hit, that that bell got rung and that was always going to be the concern right like you just look at the kid and you go oh, what's it going to be like when somebody really really hits you i know you're a tough kid but you're still you're about 150 pounds or whatever you are so yeah that that's that's going to leave a mark but he'll he's, well, he's was, such a great player
3: it was great when kelsey pope was asked about squirrel being small and he's like what's the best way to avoid taking a big hit and he's just, don't get touched <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the best way to avoid your size being a problem is when you're out on the field and have the ball, don't get touched. Don't let him hit
2: you. There you go. That run away from everyone. If if you if you never get tackled, uh, you never have to worry about really getting your bell rung. Uh, for for me on the defense, I, I still um, I, I think what I know and what I think we should know at a bare minimum is this defense will be probably a little bit better, and that's the floor. Uh, than it than it was last season. and 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 you know, maybe that's not a huge surprise. But you know when you're when you have a lot of questions in the secondary and then you lose two draft picks from that secondary that was already had some holes in it, uh, that that's certainly a, a bit concerning. but I, I don't know how great they'll be, but I think they'll they'll be good enough uh, more often than not. I think they'll be okay there unless just a bunch of guys get hurt or, or something like that, cause I think with the guys they've got coming off the edge now, I think that those guys could could have some really big years, and I I think that's just the time tested, um, just one hundred percent most effective way to get a lot better on defense in a hurry is to get a better pass rush. If you get a better pass rush, you know you still got to stop the run, you still got to do a lot of other things, but 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 that that just makes everything. Especially in this era, so much easier when you can do that a little better, and I think they'll be able to do that a little better. One thing I am still, though, very, very um, skeptical about is we know this staff is generally positive uh, when they're talking to the media, right? I mean, they see that as a way to—they uh, just want positive vibes portrayed. It's not like they're—they're they're just, you know, OCD about it or, or crazy about it. They—they they, just—they really like a lot of people would prefer it when things out of their camp seem positive. So they really keep those good vibes going. It's like Hypel said again Sunday, right? Uh, You know, we work hard here, but we also have fun, and we're never going to stop having fun because this is a game and it should be fun. I agree with that. Um, And and you probably need to be positive whenever you can. However, um, the good news about Tennessee's linebacker situation was almost all those guys came back. The bad news was almost all those guys came back. And, and and I I don't know when you look at the numbers last year individually, there were a lot of mistakes in that group. And, and you play a full season, you know, you get a full season under your belt. You you, you get up to speed. You understand things. You're, you should get better. Um, but right there in the heart of the defense, those two linebacker spots and those two safeties, hear a lot of good words about how those guys have taken a step forward. And there's accountability there, and you know they feel like they're going to have a much better year. I'm gonna have to to see it before I believe it just because I you know th- you got to go out there and prove it man and and I think it, those spots I've still got some pretty large size concerns i
1: All I will right. say I well as I say I, I just really quickly I tend to believe the, the a little bit of what we've heard about the linebackers because I think those guys are uh, better and have shown signs of improvement throughout the offseason I think jeremy banks uh, it sounds like has had a a pretty good camp so far, and it's maybe shown signs of of playing better. West, I was mentioning to you the, the other day that when you go back and look at Jeremy Banks's Pro Football Focus grades from last year, they weren't very good. No, they're, uh, they're they were pretty, they're, they're pretty bad. Had some colossal well, those, mistakes those, last those year. Those
3: guys, those guys, I think, ding you pretty bad if you give up a lot of coverage. And yeah, that is where probably that was.
1: So, so yeah, so I think he's, I think he's got room to improve and just the, the way everyone's talked about his camp so far, I think he could take a noticeable step forward. I do think there's a cap maybe on how good the other guys in that group can be uh, more so than with Banks. So I would say the, the progress might be more incremental at that position, but I do think they can play better than they were a year ago, especially if they do keep Juwan Mitchell healthy and engaged like he's been so far. I think that. I think that is potentially a big development for this defense. I, you know, I don't think Jawan Mitchell is going to go out there and save this defense and and suddenly their linebackers are, are the strength of the defense or anything like that. So fans should still keep expectations tempered, in my opinion. But I, I, I think of all the groups that maybe have improved or shown the most improvement in, in camp, I, I tend to buy the linebacker line, especially because you have a young guy like Elijah Herring pushing uh, to try to take on a bigger role, and then you have those four uh, seniors that have all, you know, played a lot of football to begin with, and then they've gotten better another off season.
3: Yeah, my, going back to the original question at the start of the segment, what what are we still concerned about? I mean, it's all defensive. And, uh, and that's not to say that you know, the left tackle situation is okie dokie, right? Like uh, there's not been a lot of separation there. None of those neither of those two guys, Crawford and Vinci have played a whole lot. That's a mystery. They're just gonna have to see how that goes when they get to the season. Um, I think the depth on the offensive line is a question mark. If one of those interior guys goes down, who's next up? You know that, That's a situation that, that's unclear, and it was unclear going into last season. We saw three series into the season. We found out Ollie Lane was the next guy up. So um, how, you know, what does that situation look like right now? Um, but mostly it's defense, and I just go back to what what it's been, and it's, they just need more playmakers, more difference makers. I think Byron Young is one of those guys. Uh, I think Jeremy Banks is one of those guys. Um, guys who can make the, the guys that the other offense has to know where they are, has to account for them, has to keep them from wrecking the game. Um, does Tennessee have some guys that can step up there and, and be that? Uh, possibly, you know. I think Tyler Barron's a candidate. He's got a lot of talent. Can you know? Does he have the, the drive and the consistency to, to do it? Um, you know, it, what kind of step do we get from Amari Thomas up front? You know, they got to replace Matthew Butler there. Uh, you, know, you guys touched on the linebacker depth. I do think it's better. Uh, and in the secondary, it's, you know, what kind of – what do we see on Saturdays? Like you touched on, Wes. What do we see from, from Trayvon Flowers and, and Jalen McCullough? Does one of those guys become the next Theo Jackson who makes a late career jump and sort of changes the narrative? Uh, I think they have a chance to be – I don't know if they have a chance to be good at corner, but you know, Christian Charles is a guy that a lot of people rave about his athleticism. You know, Kamal Hadnott is a guy that, energy guy, he seemed to do pretty well when he got in last season. So um, they just need more guys that make an impact on the game. Um, And maybe different guys pop up in different games and do it. You know, we've seen some defenses here in the past have that ability, but uh, they just need more of those guys. And I don't, I don't, I look at the, look down the roster, look at the depth chart, and I'm like, I just don't see that many guys. And I think that caps what this defense, could be, um, and, and there's going to come some games this season where the offense is kind of spluttering and they're going to need the defense to string a couple stops together. So um, that that's the biggest question mark for me. And, and from a competition standpoint, I want to see how things continue at cornerback. Um, you know, what happens at the star position with Damian McDonald and Wesley Walker? Um, and and what, is, what does the rotation look like on the defensive line? Because uh, those seems to be, to me, the more unsettled situations at this point in camp that – I think those those situations might even go into the season in terms uh, they see who plays best and go from there.
2: You know it's weird? And Walker, is, is, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Pat. No, I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say real quick. Wesley Walker probably will miss a few days. It sounds like we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll have a, a, a note on that uh, in, in Patrick's uh, uh, sort of scrimmage follow up coverage. But Wesley Walker, I think, is going to miss a few days too. So that kind of does open more of a door for McDonald. That I think that's one thing about this team that's interesting and why I was trying to. It feels to me, and maybe this is just my perception, feels to me like there's a little bit less buzz about this camp than I thought there would be, given the expectations for this team. I think part of the reason is as I as I hear us kind of go through position by position almost and talk about some of the guys that we don't know enough about yet or that are still question marks. I think there are almost too many players back from last year's team for for people to be. That's a really all good that point. Interested. That's a
2: really good point, Ryan. Because what normally creates buzz in camp, right? A quarterback battle. That's the number one thing that and, always and, generates buzz in camp. And then the second thing is freshmen or newcomers stepping right yeah. into starting roles. And you're not seeing either one of those at Tennessee right now, really.
1: As, aside from Brew McCoy and and the possibility of Wesley Walker starting, which is still a very real possibility at uh, at the star position. But aside yeah. from those guys. A lot of known commodities on this team, and that's that I think part of the reason that people are maybe not as uh, as fired up, or at least maybe it feels that way to me, as I thought they would be about this camp. And it, it is it is why we I think have a hard time deciding how much better they might be because it's a lot of guys we know a lot about already. Nancy might start. You left him out. That's fair. Good point. But among the new guys, you know,
3: we, you know, we heard good things about Josh Josephs. Uh, as you mentioned, right? I think he's ahead of Pierce. I'm not worried about Pierce at all. I'll go ahead and say that. I'll go ahead and be on the record. He looks like a guy you create in the lab as a pass rusher. He's just raw. I think you give him some time. He'll be fine.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, uh, a couple, you know, Joseph was a guy that was mentioned as a freshman standout to me. I think Tyree West might be a guy that could get in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a guy that was mentioned to me on Sunday that, I don't think he's going to play a whole lot this year, but had a good had a couple of good plays. It's Caleb Webb, who I think's maybe got the highest upside of, of those three freshman receivers. I'll go on that limb too.
2: Yeah, I mean Hendon Hooker raves about Caleb Webb. I mean Hendon Hooker has good things to say about all his wideouts, but but he, he's gone out of his way at least twice to be like, K Webb is nice. Basically, no, is what he said. And I don't talked think, about his athleticism.
1: I
3: don't think he's going to play a whole lot this year. I think he's not ready yet. But give him a year. And we'll see what it looks like in 2023, but I think he's a guy's got a lot of a lot of potential.
2: Yeah, to me, what this thing comes down to before we get out of here, guys, is I think the most interesting thing is, is we now know that as long as Tennessee doesn't get ransacked by injuries, like this thing's not going to go completely in the tank. Right? Knock on wood. We've said that before, but but it, it just seems like the better question is just how much better can it get? And I think that's where it comes down to those names that we know. How much of a step forward can they take? And it's easy to say guys like, you know, Banks and Beasley, you know, Tyler Barron, some others that that jump off the page at you because they're going to play a lot. They have huge roles. But for me, it also comes down to guys like, you know, the Tamari McDonald's of the world, you know, the, the Walker Marrows of the world, like guys who... I think could actually maybe have pretty good seasons at Tennessee, and they're, they're names that maybe we weren't talking about a lot in camp, but they're just some guys who have been there for you know a couple of years now or, or more. In McDonald's case, and just sometimes guys blossom later in their careers, and if Tennessee has a couple of those guys who do that, then I think that you can talk about the schedule opening up nicely for Tennessee, and and this could maybe be a pretty good season but I think that's maybe what it comes down to is some of those names that we know um, that are decent players. Can they take a step forward?
3: Yeah. That, that's something that I think a lot of people knew going into the off season. It was, could they get better at linebacker and safety with basically the same personnel coming back? And uh, as Hypo sort of mentioned, talking about the linebackers on Sunday he mentioned John Mitchell being healthy as a reason. And some of the new guys they've added, I think, you know, Caleb Perry is a guy. Another guy, I think, might have a good future, but he's probably not going to play a whole lot. He's probably not ready to play. But Herring's a guy that physically looks ready to play. Um, and and we sort of mentioned that it might be just sort of a matter of when, um, and maybe not if he he gets in there and gets some playing time at linebacker. But um, yeah, even you know guys like Warren Burrell, who's a, a you know a lot of people like to use him as a punching bag, and uh, you know he had some great answers earlier this week about coming off that that music city bowl game where a lot of people were you know they were done with him at that point and you know it was a bad day of the office for him but um yeah they need guys like that to and they need guys on the offensive side too some of those offensive linemen coming back can they be better can they be more consistent um those wide receivers that uh i i think back in the spring you you look at some of those new guys that came in i think it it, it created a, a change in, in guys like hyatt and, and merrill and maybe some of those guys that saw these these freshmen come in and show some things early and it's like, oh crap! This guy's coming from my job. I better step it up. Uh, and, and we've seen that. But yeah, Wes, I think it's a good point. And um, you know, Tennessee didn't—they didn't. You know, their, their class. I, I like this freshman class that they have. It's not—I don't think it has a lot of immediate impact guys necessarily. Um, maybe for the long haul, I think it's got some nice pieces. And they didn't have a big year in terms of bringing in a bunch of transfers, like a lot, of, like a lot of other teams in the SEC did. So they're, in a lot of cases, they're relying on old school player development here. And that's not sexy in terms of a lot of buzz for, for this camp as, as we sort of touched on, but um, it's going to be the <laughs> difference in in Tennessee winning seven games or winning nine. So that, that's, you know, that, that's where this team is at. And uh, as I touched on with, with, with what Hypel said about being confident about what they can do, there's just sort of this belief that the work is going to pay off and, and they're almost, you know, they're getting to the point where they've got to go out there and improve it.
1: That's a, that's a great point about this being a, uh, you know, old school player development is, is the key to this team, and that's, that's what this staff loves. So, we're going to find out. You know, we've, we've heard a lot about really a few staffs in a row thinking they can develop players well at Tennessee and, and, and thinking they have the, uh, that side of things kind of covered. The, this staff, you know, they've kind of emphasized from the start in terms of roster building. I think half the equation is getting the right guys in there, recruiting well and that the other half is player development. If that's if that equation's true, and some people might tell you it's a little more 70-30 uh, on the player uh, bringing in the right guy's side in the SEC, but if that equation is right and this staff can develop players, the, this this might set up for them to have, have a pretty good year because I think they've got a, a situation where if they bring guys along, you know, if, if guys like Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers, that they've got to count on being better, if they can just make them a little bit better this year, that might make a big, big difference in how this season plays out, and obviously, Hendon Cedric Tillman, and those guys taking another step forward. You know, that's that's the key to this season, and that's what this staff seems to thrive on. So we'll find out, you know, just maybe how good they are in that area. If it's if it's like they think it is, could be a pretty good year. I think that's probably
2: a, a pretty good place to leave it. Patrick is agreeing with me. Ryan is making good points. Pandemonium here on the Go Balls Twenty Four Seven Podcast. So uh, unless y'all got anything else, I think I think we're good. No,
1: I disagree with you on principle, retroactively. Fair enough. Right, and, and I agree with Patrick, too.
2: Well, screw you both. We'll see you all in a couple of days. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. Bye. And there's the button. And now I can say, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go 247 24-7 podcast. As always, we always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want uh, Just Tennessee news in your feed nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash twenty 247 You can also go to facebook.com slash twenty 247 and you can get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's Internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, tons of stuff going on there these days, obviously. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums that run around the clock, 24-7, as the name suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss Anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, with Tennessee fans across the world, pretty much every freaking time zone that exists, we've got somebody there. We got people up at different hours of the day. We got all kinds, any time of day. Anytime you go there, you're gonna find a bunch of people on there talking Tennessee athletics, talking SEC stuff, talking pro sports, talking life advice with kids, what to get spouses for their for anniversaries, uh, lawn maintenance. Oh, just you never know what people are going to be talking about on there. And it'll be anything that's not political or religious in nature. Anything else right there on the board for you to discuss. And you can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. That is all that it costs. And after you pay or get that, seven, that seven-day free trial, after that, you get us that that low rate. That's one mediocre lunch per month. But you don't just get Go Vols 24-7 with that. You get access to Paramount Plus with that for free in perpetuity. You also get access to a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever done, commercial-free, tons of exclusive stuff uh, that you can only find, like you know, 1883, Picard, Evil, Star Trek, all kinds of stuff that you can only find on Paramount Plus. You got new movies. You got classic movies, all blockbuster franchises, you know, comedies, dramas, horror, everything, stuff for the kids, all of it, all of it, and stuff from the archives of, uh, of CBS, obviously, and MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of it. All of it right there, something for the entire family, and live sports, SEC sports, NFL sports. Uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Syria, French soccer, uh, PGA Tour. You get everything on there, and we, you get all of that and our site, all of it for just about a hundred bucks in change a year. One of the best deals you can possibly find. And if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go do that. Don't be a fool. Go do that. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from, hear from us in a few days. So until then, uh, try to be good to each other. Try to have basic human empathy for, for people out there in the world. There's not enough of that these days. There's too many a-holes. We don't need that. Be good. See you.
4: Okay, picture this.